This is a great venue for a great day and truly a great game. So it's great to see so many people here. I can't really see many Tottenham shirts, though. So Hands up if you're a Tottenham fan. Any Tottenham fan? A genuine Tottenham fan. One, two, three. There's a four. There's Outnumbered. An, there's there's a, one there. There's an Evertonian masquerading as a Tottenham fan for the day <laughs> over there. I can see that as well. So uh, anybody, yeah, just... Ask him whether he's really a Tottenham fan. That'll be an interesting conversation to have. But um, it's, a, it's a great venue. So thanks to everyone for coming out. We're really excited about this game. And obviously many of you are excited to see, I can see the, the way that you're all dressed up to see Liverpool try and win that magnificent European Cup for a sixth time. So Stevie and I are going to go through what we think is some of the big storylines of the day. Um, you actually look pretty good, mate. We were on a flight, yeah. la flight last night. We did the Vancouver Whitecaps TFC game in Vancouver last night. Took the red-eye flight home, and uh, the, quite frankly, the less said about that game, the better. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get a better game today. We will definitely get a better game, even if they never have a shot on target. It'll be a better game than last night. Um, <laughs> but the teams are out, so yeah. why don't we start there? We're going to get into some of the managers and some of the discussions about the game coming forward, but the teams are out, and I guess we should start with Liverpool. It is as expected. Roberto Firmino has, has made it, uh, which is what Jurgen Klopp would expect. But that's really important because, obviously, you guys are all intelligent fans. You don't need us to sit up here and tell you that Roberto Firmino is important, but I think that they missed him a little yeah. bit down the stretch, Stephen, and Jurgen Klopp was very, you know, I think quite, quite patient with him in, in some significant games. You were at Anfield for match 38 in the Premier League at the end when they obviously played Wolves and Firmino wasn't really involved. So this is a big day, a big, big, big choice. Yeah, a, a big choice. I think, you know, in the absence of Firmino, Origi and, and Shaqiri and different players have stepped up at different moments, KJ, but there's nobody quite like Roberto Firmino, is there? He's, he's so unique and I think he brings a movement to that team that's really important because of his ability to drop into midfield areas, to, to press so high as well, and he creates gaps in between the centre-halves and the full-backs where Salah and Mane love to run into, and that, that, that's why I think he's vitally important. That connection with Salah and Mane is, is so important to Liverpool. Everything they're trying to do is about getting the moments when they two guys specifically can use their pace bust through that gap and, and create goal-scoring opportunities. You played in the Premier League regularly. When you play against a striker like that as a defender, how difficult is it? Because this is the modern-day game now. We're seeing, obviously, Salah and Mane are two of the greatest wide players we've seen in the modern-day game. Liverpool have obviously won so many games because of them. But it's a combination of the three, and you talk about Firmino dropping deep, and you've got that decision to make as a defender, what you do with them, and, and then the space behind for the others to run in. Yeah, you know what's happening. They're, they're trying to drag you into that gap so that one of the white guys can, can bust between. And so you're aware of that, but you can't just allow them to go into the midfield all the time because then they get an overload of numbers in that area. That's what they do so well. When the overload comes in midfield, then you know they've got 2v1 situation, 3v2s, they then come on to your back four. So it's a fine line. It's all about communication. Spurs have two wonderful centre-halves in Alderweireld and Vertonghen who are pretty mobile, make good decisions, are excellent in the ball, of course, but are good defenders as well. have improved a lot under Mauricio Pochettino. So it's choosing when to step into that gap and when to just stay in your shape of four so there's, there's little space for uh, the white guys to burst into. 
That brings us to Tottenham and their lineup is out. For those who didn't know, they have gone to a back four with Trippier and Rose and Alderweireld and Vertonghen. So no Davinson Sanchez. This is a team that's played with a back five quite regularly this year. But I guess they were never really going to do that today, were they? And this, no. This allows them to get, if anyone's not aware, Harry Kane in the team as well. Because Kane's back for his first start in a couple of months after a significant injury. Lucas Moura, the semi-final he hero, goes, goes yeah. to the bench. But then you get Kane and Eriksen, Son and Ali with winks in the midfield as well. So uh, there's a lot of, lot of numbers in there in, in, in terms of getting everybody to fit in. So you can't really play that back five. No, I think if they play the back five against a team as powerful and as, as skillful as Liverpool, they'd get penned back too much and there would be no way having any concerted possession moving forward into the game. So I think it's a smart move. There's risks involved with that. I'm sure he'd like the cover in the back areas, but they, they, they got too far in, especially Anfield in that first half stuck in their own half and they couldn't get out so the four's not a surprise interesting choice for Winks I think he could be a key player today for Tottenham Hotspur he, his ability to drive forward with the ball take it into dangerous areas I think is, is really unique he's a, a, a very good midfielder in my opinion Sissoko has the same type of profile as well so that's going to be an interesting battle in the midfield and you're right Kane being back is absolutely vital it's not just his ability to score goals it's a way that he can connect with other players as well and what he brings out in other players KJ you see uh, Son play better Ali plays better Eriksen plays better when Harry Kane's in the team an outstanding leader and when he gets an opportunity he's going to put it in the back of the net yeah it's a magical final it's, it's obviously an all Premier League final and you know anytime we're here talking about the European Cup or the Champions League final as we like to refer to it now it's a special day you know for those of you who've been to our footy talks before we are interactive we have maria in the crowd if anyone's got a question to put please put your hand up we want to get you involved as well but we'll continue our discussion about the champions league final you and i are old enough to remember what it was called the european cup final yeah we certainly do um the last european i cup, still call it that I like, well it's it's the european cup is it not they're, they're, they're playing for the wonderful european cup today um the last European Cup before the Champions League came was at Wembley when Barcelona and Ronald Koeman scored against Sampdoria, a game that never forget. We'll that never game. forget. But Champions League finals, they stick with you. You know, there's many games, there's thousands of games that we're all going to watch together in our lives, and many of them you'll never remember again. Of moments, but finals, they stick with you. You played in finals at different levels. As this is the greatest. This is the greatest club competition in the greatest sport in the world, and they're playing in the final today. It doesn't get any bigger than that, and the event has never felt bigger. No, it's never felt bigger, and to me, there's nothing in the world of football, and I even include the World Cup final, quite like a Champions League final. It's so unique. You're always rooting for a certain team. I just think it's absolutely massive, and I can think back to every single one, KJ, where I was, where I was watching that. I'm talking about from the age of six, seven, eight, even growing up before that, Celtic winning it in 1967, an important part of my family's history and the stories that came through that. You mentioned the one at Wembley where Koeman scored the free kick, Barcelona wearing their orange strips, changing into the traditional Barcelona stripes to lift, to lift the trophy. trophy yeah. Little moments of history, some boring games. You remember the uh, Marseille, Red oh. Star, Belgrade. Marseille, awful Red game. Star, Belgrade. That, awful. That was what as year bad was that? That was bad as 91. That was as bad as TFC Whitecaps, that was. Yeah, <laughs> no question about it. That was a dreadful game. Yeah. Uh, went to penalties. The games can be often tense. You think about the Ajax game when Cliver, as an 18-year-old, scored to yeah. win 1-0 in the late game. Finals are genuinely, they're really quite tense. 
what the Premier League has separated itself of over the last few years in terms of being a truly elite league is that when these big teams play each other, rarely are they tense yeah. in the Premier League. You know, there's this incredible feeling in the stadium, the atmosphere that's just so well shot and produced all around the world into everybody's living rooms around the world. Today is a final. Is it going to feel more like a final or feel more like a Premier League game? Because I think if we get the blend of both, we'll be happy, won't we? Uh, it's a very interesting question because we don't really... We, we, we have league reference points and we maybe have the Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur quarterfinal to reference. And that first leg was really quite tense and, uh, you know, two teams feeling each other out. Then the second leg was absolutely crazy. So I think it might start tense, and if there's a moment in the early stages, there's something about a domestic game between two teams in the same league that they just forget where they are, they forget that it's a Champions League final. It just becomes Liverpool against Spurs, which happens every single year, at least twice a year, and it's a free-for-all. And so I think we're going to get a similar game today. I think there'll be a big moment in the first 20 minutes, and then everything will be forgotten about. It'll be two teams going at each other. The recent history of these two teams is in my opinion they don't really fit there's moments in games Liverpool have had the better of the recent uh, performances between each yeah. other there was that one game at Wembley where, where Spurs were absolutely magnificent you remember where Liverpool were a different team Lovren was playing at the back he had a, a difficult day that day but Liverpool have had the best of it but what I mean by they don't really fit is I think the styles are contrasting two really smart managers who are very tactical and once they get a, a, a tactical supremacy they really can dominate the opposition here. So keep an eye on that. When one team's on top here, they have to capitalise. They have to try and get their goals in that period. I want to talk about Jurgen Klopp and what he's done for Liverpool in a minute. But I do think before we get to that, you talk about the smart managers collectively, Pochettino and Klopp. And I guess where we're talking, where the Premier League stands right now at the end of the season, where we've just watched Chelsea, Arsenal in the Europa League, um, which turned into being a dominating performance by one team in the second half. But my point being is that the word powerful comes to mind when I think of these teams. You know, they, they Liverpool, they, they, they blew Barcelona away in the second half because of the power. And Tottenham have had a lot of power in these games as well. And it's got them to the end of games. They're one of the fittest teams in, in the game. And... That, I think, has elevated the Premier League to a different level. They've all collectively allowed themselves to get there. But we'll get to Klopp in a second. Pochettino, how he's turned this Tottenham into that team is remarkable because those of you who have watched this team for many years, Spursy was a saying about Tottenham being fragile. It was about a team never being able to do it in big yeah. moments. And they've completely turned it around in 360. And this Tottenham team, they've never had since the early 60s have never had a greater time than they have now in all those years they're one of the best coach teams in the world aren't they they're just they have a manager who completely understands the qualities of every individual player and the collective spirit that he can create tactically and mentally for that team and I think that's really important to recognise because I do feel when you look at it man for man they have players that are far inferior to Liverpool but they have Mauricio Pochettino and uh, you know, he's my favourite manager in the world, I think. He's, he's just incredible what he gets out of these guys. And the mental side that he's brought to this Tottenham Hotspur team is remarkable as well. We'll, we'll always remember the, the Liverpool performance in the second leg against Barcelona. But the Tottenham Hotspur performance against Ajax 
to come back like that, a man to go away from his his philosophy, his beliefs in football, playing the ball around, playing some good stuff, to actually play that longer ball into your ente, to get bodies around the middle, to change the shape of that game, to basically show the world that this Ajax team were vulnerable yeah. and then to get the goals a hat-trick from Lucas Moura was remarkable and a, a massive part of that was down to Pochettino so he's going to be prepared this is his big moment as well KJ he's going to be ready for this and I think he's going to have a tactical plan that's going to cause Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool many problems we'll certainly keep an eye on that we'll continue our discussion on Jurgen Klopp in a second let's go out to Maria who's got a question in the audience hi Maria Hey guys, first time caller, long time listener, love the show. Hey Josh. <laughs> I was going to ask a question about Bayern, but uh, maybe not the right time. These two teams, you have one very high spending team in Liverpool, one not so much in Tottenham. What do you guys think about the idea that you need to buy a Champions League title? Do you think this run by Tottenham proves something, or does the run from Liverpool just prove that you do need to buy a championship? That's a really good question. I don't necessarily, I mean... I can see the contrast because Tottenham haven't spent any money for two years. I don't think of Liverpool as buying something like that because I think of a team of Liverpool, I think from the very top down, and I'm talking from John Henry, Michael Edwards, Jurgen Klopp, all the way down. When you think about the money that they've spent, well, first of all, you can talk about what they spent on Alisson. You can talk about what they spent on Van Dijk. Well, a lot of that was financed by Philip Coutinho going to Barcelona. Then you think about the front three... Firmino, obviously Mane and Saleh for, Saleh for a combined £100 million, which is an absolute steal. You know, they've, they've signed players, much like Tottenham did it, but they've signed players for a, at a level where the seller is saying he's a very good player. And they've turned them into great players. So they've quadrupled the salaries. They've, they've given more money since they've come on. They've extended them. But they've quadrupled the value of the players as well. So I don't think of Liverpool anywhere near like a Man City, for example, in terms of that. But your point is a good one because it highlights really what Tottenham have done without spending anything. You know, the only club in the Premier League last season to spend nothing in the summer transfer market. But, Josh, I think the point must be that no matter what happens today to Tottenham, they have to go on again now. You know, they, for me, they look like a, a team who have got everything they have. They've squeezed, you think about a toothpaste, they've squeezed everything out of it. That's, you've got to throw that away now. It's done. Today's the last day for that team as a team. And it, Pochettino knows that. He knows that if they don't get better players, and he's looking to leave. They, they need to get better players, and I think they will. There's already talk of La Celso. There's, yeah. They need to strengthen those markets. But Josh's question is a good one because of the contrast of the teams arriving at this final. Yeah, I think that they both sort of went about the, the uh, accumulation of the squad in, in a similar way. I think they're, they're, they're strong in analytics. They've went about the best fit for their team, uh, tactically and mentally. And I think that's really important to recognise. They've just been shopping in different markets. Spurs have been shopping here. Pochettino's took these players to the absolute pinnacle. KJ mentioned it, where they're going to go. Now, there's no doubt whoever wins this game that Liverpool are going to be contenders for the Champions League next year. There's a massive doubt that Tottenham are going to be contenders. They're only going to be contenders if they go out and spend way over 100 million, maybe 200 million to stay at that level. Liverpool maybe only have to add one or two players. So I think that's the key here. Liverpool have a, a higher calibre of players but I think analytics has been a massive part of, of, of both recruitment strategies. And it's very interesting to see that you go out there, you don't just pick 
the best player or the hottest player at the time. You pick the best fit for your team and then you make it better. Maria, we have another question. Over to you. Hi. Um, Hi. What do you think is the best Champions League final to date? The best Champions League final to date? It's a great question. Um, wow. It's, the, it's very difficult to say that you're going to see a better game than 05. Istanbul. Yeah. Incredible, incredible game. Yeah, it's very difficult to say that uh, you're going to get a better one than that. If we get anything like that today, that would well, be pretty special. Uh, the, there's two for me that stand out, and people are going to be happy with the first one. Obviously, Istanbul 2005. The comeback against a team like AC Milan was remarkable. It was a miracle, to be honest. The 15, 20 minutes of success that they had, hanging on, winning the penalties, it was just meant to be. And then, of course, the new Camp in 99, where Manchester United scored the two late goals. Two incredible moments for me against another powerhouse in Bayern Munich. I don't know how they did that, but they found a way. Great moments for English clubs and uh, two games that stand out to me, thinking back. The other one that stands out to me is 2011, when... For those who hate Man United, Barcelona absolutely destroyed them at Wembley. And I mean destroyed them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I talked to Wayne Rooney about it recently and it was the best team he's ever played against. You know, there was just a different level, you know, and, and it's a completely different level that day. So, you know, the, the Barcelona era, 09 as well, was a very different... 09 was another one where it was really interesting in Rome where, again... They were finally matched, we thought, at the time, Manchester United and Barcelona. In reality, when the games happened, they were miles apart. Barcelona proved that they were truly a team of their generation in, in both the finals, in my opinion. Manchester United were very, very good. Barcelona were on another level. So they were, they were big games. But yeah, everyone has a different meaning. Even the games that are tense, the games that are tight. I think about Inter Milan's win as well against Bayern Munich. That was a, a big victory as well. A, a powerful team. A team that had destiny on their side and belief, a team that won the treble as well. So um, everyone has been, and hopefully we're going to get another classic again today. Yes, please, uh, Maria. Over to you. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. So we were just wondering uh, what you guys think would the combined Champions League final team would be. Com combined. Good question. question. Yeah. Okay. I think it'd be a lot of Liverpool players. Well, go goalkeepers easy. Alison Becker. Uh, Right, right back Trent Alexander-Arnold Left back Andy Robertson Centre half uh, Virgil van Dijk And Toby Alderweireld Yep, I'm in agreement Come on you're, Hold on, I know, you're, I know you're biased I know you're biased But even you Liverpool fans are the most intelligent fans in the room Toby Alderweireld is better than Joel Matip Admit it Right, thank you. Thank you. And Vertonghen. And Vertonghen's better, better than Matip as well. So, um, are you all right with Alvin Alderweireld instead of Vertonghen? Yeah, yeah, I think Alderweireld's just better, but I like Vertonghen. Good player as well. Maybe for balance, I'm going to go for Vertonghen, but Van Dijk can play on the left. Eh? Van Dijk on the left, but Alderweireld on the right. Um, let's go with uh, Fabinho in midfield. Yeah. With... I guess we come down to formation now, doesn't it? Yeah. We're going to talk about formation. Fabinho in midfield with... Hmm, Van Aldum. Van Aldum would be in there. Christian Eriksen. Yes. 
Yeah, I'd have him in for his creativity. Just ahead of Firmino for me. Mo Salah. Yep. Sadio Mane. Yes. And Harry Kane. Harry Kane up top. No Firmino. He's sub. We just did. First players was that? Three? Kane, Ericsson, Aldevero. Yeah. We did that pretty quickly and we agreed. We go. always agree. We always agree. Thank you. Great question, Maria. Hi guys. Uh, my name is Tristan. It's nice Hi. to see you guys. Do you think Harry Kane coming back into the squad is a bigger impact for Tottenham, or Firmino coming back into the squad for Liverpool? It's a great question. I think we talked about Firmino before. I think that's such a big impact because of the way Liverpool play, and I, and. Kane's an impact, of course, but I just think if you take out Roberto Firmino and you put in Divock Origi, it's a massive difference. If you take out Harry Kane, of course it's Harry Kane, but you put in Lucas Moura, they actually play a different style that I actually like to see from Tottenham. So I think for, to answer your question, which is a difficult one, but a good one, I would, I would take the Liverpool one myself. But we haven't talked about Kane returning. Yeah. This is a player that we haven't seen play for two months. A player that is consistently delivered in big games over and over again. A player that just needs one chance, one moment, and it's in the back of the net. And we'll find out today whether he's ready to do that and whether he's fresh. I, I think Harry Kane's absolutely massive for Tottenham Hotspur today. So I disagree with KJ for once. I think that Kane is more important. The key to this is how fit is he? How available is he to, to be the Harry Kane that we know? But I think what he brings, not just through his talent on the field he's, he's coming in towards the goal his goal scoring ability is his leadership I think this team will really need that leadership today I think there'll be moments that they're really up against it they may even be a goal down and Harry Kane is going to be the player that most of these guys look to for inspiration and he's a man that I just think has everything to his game he has ice in his veins he can put the ball in the back of the net he's, he's robust he's strong he has his touch and he's an out-and-out -out winner. So I, I think it's vital that he's out there. I just hope that he's somewhere near 100% fit. Yeah, and England fans will be hoping that he stays fit as well with the uh, Nations League coming up as well. So we'll see whether he's available for that. Keep your questions coming in. I do want to talk about Jurgen Klopp. And let's be honest, this is Liverpool's day today. This is Liverpool's day. This is Liverpool's final. And the reason why... The reason why I say that is because this is the game you should win. This is the game they have to win. And this is different from last year. On the opposite side of the field last year was a complete and utter European powerhouse. Okay, this, is, this, this was a dominant powerhouse with winners in every position in Real Madrid who weren't even that good but find ways how to win games. And nobody would, everybody was disappointed last year if you're a Liverpool fan, but nobody was really thinking we should have won the game. In the end, it's like, okay, it's Real Madrid. Flip the script. You've got 97 points this year. Jurgen Klopp has said, we can't do any better. It's been a great year. We've done everything we can. We control it. But you're not playing Barcelona today. You're playing Tottenham. And if you lose this game to Tottenham today, if you lose the game, the season is turned on its head. It's no longer a good season. That's the problem that they've got. And it's hard to say it's one game of randomness that anything can happen. But they've got to get this done today. Jurgen Klopp's got to get this done. And Liverpool's got to get it done. 
there's, there's absolutely massive pressure on Liverpool today to win this game. And, and I know they went through a thrilling end to the Premier League season where there was pressure on them every game. But they were playing against one of the best teams, if not the best team in Premier League history, Manchester City. So there was some kind of honour in losing that. There will be zero honour in losing this game, no matter how well Tottenham Hotspur play. This is their opportunity to win. This is Jurgen Klopp's moment. He has to win this final. He's a man who's much maligned for losing finals throughout the years. This is his moment. He's a magnificent manager. He has to win this game. And I believe that he was probably watching the, the second leg of Tottenham Hotspur against Ajax, plotting a way to beat Ajax. I firmly believe Liverpool would have beat Ajax. And in yeah. that moment, in the, the last stages, where Lucas Moura put it in the back end, eight, I think Jurgen Klopp's heart probably sank just for a moment and thought, the last thing I want, the last thing I need is a domestic game in a Champions League final. The last thing I want is a manager like Mauricio Pochettino and a team like Tottenham who will have zero to lose, who have guys playing in the biggest game of their careers, three or four guys that will never be back on this stage. Uh, Trippi, Rose, in my opinion, Sissoko, they'll never be back on this stage. And he's in this game against his team with everything to lose. So I think Liverpool could be a little bit tense. I've been a massive fan of how mentally strong they are in every game. But if there's ever a game they're going to be feeling the pressure and feeling a little bit tense, this is the day. I agree. Uh, Maria, I understand we've got some more questions. Over to you. So, sorry, I wrote it down. Um, Liverpool held on to City and, and taught them, uh, beat them in the Champions League. How come City managed so well in the Premier League and winning the treble, but struggle in the Champions League? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Manchester City have a a very complex relationship with the UEFA Champions League. They certainly don't love the European Cup like you guys do, Liverpool. <laughs> and it's a problem. And they're trying to they're trying to build something that you can't you can't you can't fake culture and they're trying to build it together and they're getting there. But I actually think that the loss to Tottenham will be a really important reference point for Manchester City going forward. And remember, it wasn't a loss, they won the game. So, you know, they got knocked out, but they were this close to winning it. And that night, I've never heard the, their stadium embrace the Champions League like they did that night. And in the end, the bounces didn't go their way. They weren't very good in the first leg. And again, you put it down to another disappointment for Man City in the Champions League. And it's difficult. It's a cup competition. It's a difficult thing to get through. And bounces go your way. It comes off Lorente's hip and it's in. And, and that's why they're not there. But I think it's more than just acts of randomness. It's mentally something at that club that they need to get over. And look, they're a good team and they've got an amazing manager. So I think they will get there. But right now, that, I do think that that, that game against Spurs, that yeah. loss... Uh, will help them going forward. Yeah, it'll, it'll help them. I think they make a big, they made a big mistake in the first leg. I thought they were tentative, and I've, I've never seen them tentative in the Premier League, and they were very tentative, and that was the moment where, where they sort of lost the tie. But it was a tie that was on a knife's edge right to the end, of course, with the, the offside goal from Raheem Sterling. And it's decided by moments, whereas a league campaign is 38 games... It's consistency. There's no doubt to me that Manchester City are one of the best teams in Europe. I just think when it comes to the knockout, it's about moments. And, and, and Spurs just had the better moments, the, the luck of the ball, the bounce of the ball when it really mattered. City will be back. City will be there again in the future. But 
um, they've just been a little bit unlucky in this competition in my opinion Marie? Hi guys, uh, so we have four English teams uh, playing for Europe, obviously uh, Arsenal and uh, uh, Chelsea already played it out and now we have Tottenham and Liverpool so I just would love to hear your comments on uh, where you think the Premier League has gone up until now and if you guys think the Premier League is the best league in the world well, I think based on plays, that, um, on play on the field this season, it's definitely gone back to the top, yes. I, I think that the Premier League teams that you mentioned have all helped themselves. There's the, the, the talent at the other leagues are very good. Bayern Munich, have had, they've had a difficult year. Real Madrid, shocking year. Um, but I would say that the, the tempo of the top six, let's just call it the top six league in the Premier League, the competitiveness in those games in the league this year, when you think that Liverpool played, every team played 10 of those games, that helped them in Europe this year. The power that they were able to go through the gears, the other teams couldn't do it. So Bayern Munich were blown away by Liverpool. Barcelona were blown away by them. And they couldn't, re they couldn't handle it because they weren't used to playing anything like that domestically when they were given that very level of top power. And that's what Liverpool and Tottenham have brought now. Technically, they're superior. Mentally, they're superior, but powerful. They've got, it's, the English football has gone back to the roots a little bit like that. They bring their power. You look today, the powerfulness of these players on the field. And the continental style doesn't have that as much. And the game is obviously cyclical. We've gone through a different trend now. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence for me that, that that's the way that it's gone. And it's certainly allowed Liverpool to go through the gears and, and, and beat those teams that I mentioned. I think they were very prepared because of the, the level of competition in the Premier League. I think every game's hard. doesn't matter where it's Brighton away, Wolverhampton at home. You get different challenges. The might of the Premier League is there because of the money, the, the huge money and the consistency throughout the entire league uh, is there for everyone to see. But I also think that the clubs in the Premier League are, are starting to become really complete football clubs now. And I'm, I'm talking about the different departments, the medical departments. Wolverhampton never had a player all season that went more than a week injured. You basically, they, they could choose the best team that they wanted the entire season because of a medical department, because of science, uh, sports science department. You think about recruitment, the analytics. You have five, six, seven, eight guys analysing opponents, analysing every team in Europe, analysing recruitment. They're getting recruitment spot on every time. Barcelona are one of the best teams in, in Europe. Don't get recruitment right a lot. Hardly even get it right at all. Make so many mistakes, have the same kind of money as the Premier League team, but make mistake after mistake. These Premier League teams are not making mistakes. So I think that it's the strongest league in the world at the moment. It's only going to get stronger. The power and the quality is there. The best managers in the world are there as well, KJ. Yep. Some of them have said in the past, they're pushing each other on to be even better, even more consistent. And I think they're going to go into a real golden era. Yeah, and you think about those players out there today. Look at the players out there today and think about how much they cost. Almost every one of them would cost more now. And that says a lot about the recruitment for both these teams. Maria, thanks for the question. Hey guys, how's it going? Um, so there's two top-tier Brazilian strikers playing in the match today, uh, Lucas Moura and Bobby Firmino, that don't seem to get the respect 
that they deserve. Do you think it's something about playing in England because for those South Americans, sometimes Real Madrid, Barcelona is the Mecca? Or do you think there's an opportunity for them here today to kind of make that next step for them and be the Brazilian superstars that they deserve to be? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think, obviously, Mora starts today on the bench because Kane's playing, but Lucas Mora is a player that was a perfect signing for Tottenham because he went to PSG with all the reputation of being the next superstar. And the thing is with the Brazilian players is that the, the trajectory to being great doesn't just go in a straight line. So many of them that it's not a generalization anymore. It's like this. And so if you get those players on the down and then you can get them going like that, which is what they've done here with Lucas Moura, then that's perfect for Tottenham because they went in and got him for 23 million. Okay, look at him now. Roberto Firmino is a player that I think everybody here will understand his brilliance because they're football fans and they're intelligent, but he's not a player that scores 25, 30 goals every season. So he's more than a goal scorer. And he's the modern day forward where he just does everything for the team. He leads the press. He, let, he obviously helps the other teams around him. So it's, it's a question about style as well as nationality, I think. It's a good one. But, you know, the, the one thing I would say that about Firmino is that he isn't like what I said about the Brazilian players going like this. This is a guy that has gone to Hoffenheim and really proven all his career that he can be better than anybody thought he would be. And he's a great example of the work rate you put out there, leading from the front. We all see levels of football, under 10s, go to your local park, Major League Soccer. There's a lot of lazy number nines, okay? A lot of guys who don't want to work. And at the very top level in the Champions League final today, you're going to have a, the, one of the best number nines in world football working from the front. And that's the best example you can put to any number nine in any level. The first thing that he, he judges himself on is his work rate, isn't it? That's all he wants to give. He wants to be a team player. He wants to give the work rate. You see him in, in his opposition box, comes back for corner kicks. He headers the ball out more than most. Maybe only Van Dyke's the only player in a red shirt that will get that ball out of the box more. And that tells you everything you need to know about Firmino. I think he's a, a wonderful player, brings so much more, but he does like goals. When it comes to Brazil and they have 10 world-class strikers to choose from, that's a bit of an issue. Lucas Moura, for me, is, is, is such an interesting one. A player who has developed so much at Tottenham Hotspur. He was a guy in, in, in Paris with PSG who was just floating around, he was a talented winger, there was some great moments, he was inconsistent. Now he's become this direct, dynamic, almost like centre forward. Yeah, he plays up front, yeah. Drifts, drifts off a wing, but really is direct. A modern day winger, KJ mentions this all the time, a modern day winger is a guy who, who scores goals, comes from wide areas, makes these out to end runs. Lucas Moura does it really well. I think his game can go on even further. He will play, he will get caps, Firmino will get caps. It's just a question, can they really establish themselves in that world-class team? It's been a key component. That's the key for either of the guys. With so much choice, it's going to be extremely difficult. Over to you, Marie. Hi. I think everybody here will understand that you guys are the best on TV when it comes to analyzing in the chat and the knowledge. So, just a question. I understand that Dazon is taking... You guys moving over? Uh, no, I don't think we're going anywhere. Um, you know, the future uh, for 
the sport in Canada on television is murky at the moment, so it's a difficult one. So all I'll say right now is that if we weren't doing this right now, we'd be on TSN doing the Champions League. So this is a great thing to be at. It's wonderful for us to be able to come and see all these faces. You know, it can be quite boring sitting in a studio talking to a camera all day, you know, like it's the interaction here. This is what the game's about. This is, you know, one, one of my favorite things about going to do MLS games is, is not necessarily the games. It's to see the fans and to talk to people and the interaction and what the game means to people. The great thing about sport is that it unites people and brings people together. And we're going to go through emotions today, aren't we, all of us, at different levels. And, and we can't get that where we are in the studio. So um, I hope you don't think I'm dodging your question. It's just you do think I'm dodging it. Well, I, I, I gave you a direct answer right away to say, no, we're not going there. But um, So right now we'll see what happens going forward. But um, maybe we'll do more of these kind of things. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, there's nothing better than just being in a room and, and talking about the game, having a beer and, and like KJ says, interacting with people. It's, it's great being on, on camera and we were fortunate enough to do the World Cup and we loved every single second of it. But we missed the opportunity to be in a Danforth or, or, or be in a Portuguese area and to, to spend some time with the fans, something that we've did for previous World Cups. So a kind of event like this gives us a chance to come out, meet the fans, be a part of it and, and, and be a part of something really special. Almost feel like you're in the stadium a little bit in an yeah. environment like this. Hopefully, things like this are the future. We can be a big part of it because the thing about us is we love football. We love all football. We love, we watch more football than anybody else from MLS to Champions League final to World Cups to Copa America to Gold Cup. So we're involved in a lot of different things and it's just a pleasure for us to be here, standing up here, sitting up here and speaking to you guys and excited to watch what's going to be a wonderful game. Thank you for your kind words Thank as you. well. Thank you. Thank you. Maria? Hey, how's it going? Hello. Um, so I was just curious, I'm going to get away from Liverpool, get away from Tottenham right now. Um, but with everything that Ajax did this year and with the transfer window not open yet, so it might be a tough question, but do you see any team from that, that smaller caliber making a run like Ajax did for next year? I think it'd be very difficult. Uh, you know, it, it really shines the spotlight on Ajax about just what an achievement it really was. And I had an opportunity this offseason to spend some time with, with Frank De Boer, who's the Atlanta manager right now, but obviously was the former Ajax manager and was the guy that signed, you know, these kind of, a lot of these superstars that you're talking right now. You know, when you talk about Matthias De Ligt being at Ajax and... Um, he was in his office when he got Frankie de Jong to come over to them. And this was a project that they were building for a long time, but they would admit, and he admitted, that they never would have thought they would get to seconds away from becoming a Champions League finalist. And that is special, but it's also sad. It's sad that that dream is really, really difficult to see as a reality for any team to do. One of the reasons why, when I did the Champions League coverage for TSN for many years, that I really wanted Atletico Madrid to win the Champions League was because at a different level, they were never going to be the Ajax. They spent a lot of money, but they challenged the, the elite. Now, many, many people would say they, be, they become the elite, and maybe that's what Tottenham could become today. That's the example for Tottenham. Uh, but the point being is that Ajax were down here. You know, Atletico Madrid are there, and the rest are up there for someone, Stephen, to go from there. And we can, we can talk about Atalanta, we can talk about lots yep. of good, good young teams, but 
to get to a Champions League semi-final, to go to Real Madrid in the Bernabeu and just destroy that team and play the way they did um, was wonderfully refreshing for anybody that loves the game. It was wonderful to watch, but it was the, the perfect storm. It was a, a football club willing to, to put the young talent into the team to give them time to learn and grow in the era de visa and then to be at that standard. It was the fact that the lads decided to hang around for an extra year or so instead of taking maybe that 30, 40 million pound move. They decided they were going to stay. They're going to give it one last crack. And so I think that it's going to be very difficult to do that again. Ajax or a team like that who are, are geared to do that kind of thing, who are, are set up to allow youth the chance to develop. Um, this is a generational thing as well from Ajax. They're, they're always, they always have good youth. They never really have this quality of youth. Uh, so I think it'll be hard. But I will say there is always a team, maybe Tottenham Hotspur, I'm sure Spurs fans would say that this is a little bit an example of that, where they were shopping, the number of players that they were buying, that they've doubled in value, an Eriksson, a Mora, a Son. We could go on and on. Harry Kane came through the youth. Deli Ali, they bought for a little sum of money who's worth extortionate amounts of money now. There's always going to be that kind of team. Monaco did it in the past. Porto yeah. won the Champions League. There'll always be that kind of team. They just have such a short window to win. That's what's so difficult. And, and this is first chance to, to be that example for, for the rest of Europe. It's getting harder though, no? Like, you I mean, Porto 04, the game is so different now. Like, Real Madrid are going to get Hazard. They're going to spend again, aren't they? They're just going to go. Bayern Munich had a terrible year and they won the double. Like, you know, they, they, it wasn't a good year for them, but, you know, the Champions League. Yeah. They're going to go again and they're going to sign more players. They already have. So, um, it's a great question. Thank you for it, but it's just so difficult to see happening again. Maria? So Thank before you. Before we wrap this up, I want to know your score predictions for today. Oh, KJ hates score predictions, Maria. <laughs> I know. Predictions, I don't, I don't do predictions very often, but look, I'll say this, I think Liverpool should win the game. I'll be very, I'm very confident that they're going to win this. Now, I do think though that the unique gap between the games is interesting because if this was played May 15th, May 18th, I would have been even more confident that they're going to win the game. I just think that it's allowed Kane to get back, which is important. And there's been so long between games that you wonder whether the momentum's gone a little bit from that. I mean, you can talk about this more than I can ever talk about this, but professional, and having dealt with professional footballers for two decades, talking to them and working in the game, they love to play. They hate training and the space between the amount of times. That's a factor here. It is a factor. It's difficult to stay in your routine. We're all about routine, aren't we? So, you, you know, you have your routine, you play a game. These guys play a game every three or four days and they have the routine and then suddenly you have a three-week break. Really difficult because you know you have to take your training load down. You have to take your, 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 your mental state down. You have to bring everything to this level and then you have to decide through your, your staff when you start to ramp it up. So it's, it's fine-tuning. You know, these athletes are the best of the best, so it's fine-tuning, and it's a team that gets that right because you need some downtime. They've played 38 games, KJ. These guys all play international football. They needed some downtime, and the key was when they start ramping that up, when they, they, they start preparing for what's to come, that's going to be absolutely vital. I... Uh, make Liverpool favourites of course I think they'll win 
but I think they're playing against such a dangerous team and such a dangerous manager and I'm always worried about teams that feel like destiny's on their side and I believe everybody in that Tottenham Hotspur dressing room right now feels that destiny's on their side their name is on the cup they're meant to win this cup I think that's dangerous when you have a yeah, bunch of scary. elite athletes like that yeah it's scary it does feel a little bit like Liverpool felt like last year a little bit but I'm with you look Christian Eriksen we haven't spoke about him son you know these players massive game for them they're used to it and this is why they went to Tottenham you, you know? think about Salah going off last year though yeah. and how that changed the game yeah, of course so is there a moment like that is what it Harry Kane maybe leaving the field yeah. or you know, is there, there's always a moment in these kind of games that, that, that changes the dynamic, changes the mentality right. of the game. So I always love the first five minutes, but the first 20 minutes of the game, something could happen in this game that, that, that really changes. Could, could be a red card, changes the whole game. So you just never know. That's why we all love football. It's always on a knife edge, especially when it's two teams from the same country. It's going to be a wonderful game. I just hope we get goals, attacking football, and two teams playing in the identity that we're used to from them. Well, as we always say in the studio to ourselves, you guys turn on to watch the game, so now it's time for us to stop talking. But we'll be back at halftime to talk. And um, a reminder, our podcast is available, and we're going to wrap the game up on our podcast on Monday as well. So yeah, wonderful listen, to subscribe. see so many of you guys out there. Enjoy the game, and we'll chat at halftime. Thank you. Thank you.